To another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Eaton. Oh, this is a monumental episode, is it not, Jessica? Yes, it is. It is. This is the first episode with the launch of our brand new website. What is that, Jessica? The Kaiju Kingdom Podcast.com. Yes, finally, after many of you have been saying for years. Why the hell are you on this site called Panzer Crush? Well, it's because it was the it was a holdover from uh, my old website. It was my own personal thing. And when Jessica and I started, I didn't have the money for the domain, so it kind of became one of those things that we kept pushing off to the side for a while. And then COVID hit, and Jessica and I talked, and we're like, you know what? We need a proper website now. Now is the time. So, with that, we give you. The very first episode of the of the new site era, uh, which is the start of many many wonderful things that we have planned for you guys. Uh, a lot of cool stuff is on its way. I know we've been saying that for a while, but actually, this time no no bull because this stuff is already in the pipeline, ready to go. So uh, a lot of cool things are coming, and I we just kind of like okay, well, what can we do? For this episode, what would be the topic to big enough to launch a website? Well, Jessica and I are going to be delving deep into a hot commodity as of late. And what is that, Jessica? It is the Gamera, the complete collection released by Arrow that everyone is clamoring for. And I believe they're all gone. They are. They are officially sold out as of this recording, which is the 1st of October. So, this uh, bad boy was announced, I want to say, back in February. It was set originally for July, then I think I pushed to late August. I ended up getting... August 17th was the original release date, August 17th. And I think that's about the time... I I, I think the initial straight date got pushed back closer to the end of August... But I do recall getting mine right around the time it was initially supposed to come out. I remember showing up at home and the male lady's like, oh, hey, I have something for you. And this nice big square package was handed to me and it was heavy. I'm like, I know what this is. And it, I opened it up to this brilliant, like, it was like the, it was like the, the suitcase in, um, Pulp Fiction when they open it up and it's just gold gleaming out at you. And I was like, yes, I was one of the few lucky ones that got the uh, the Diabolic release uh, that sent out early. I had a great experience with it. Unfortunately, a lot of people seem to have had issues, including our very own Jessica, who had a little bit of a problem obtaining hers. You kind of want to explain that real quick? Yes. So Chris was wonderful enough to remind me almost on a daily basis, please go to Diabolic and order yours. Uh, Then 
Comic Con was coming. Many work commitments, personal things. Dog. Oh, I've one senior dog left, and then you know, co- just the existential dread of COVID. Mm-hmm. I forgot. By the time I remembered, the pre-order was already sold out. Completely understandable, right? I was just not on top of it. I just wasn't able. I just had too many things on my mind. Uh, although, lesson learned, I should just have given you money, Chris, and I just <laughs> have you order it. But the point is, once you see the pre-order, like every lovely human being, deep down inside, you, you want what you don't have. Mm-hmm. So... I had to go on Amazon, and then from there, I ordered it. And Amazon was kind enough to send one update that it's going to be late. However, that was up in the air. No fault of Amazon's or anything. I do I do understand some people had some issues with Amazon. And, but for me, it was fairly pleasant. They were just updating and be like, look, it's it might come between this time. We'll let you know. If it doesn't, we'll obviously refund you. So at least they were keeping me abreast because I had ordered it closer to, I want to say, beginning of August. So closer to the release then, date. Yeah, closer to the release date. And I already knew. That's how I knew it was August 17th because that's what I saw on Diabolic. And that's what I saw on Amazon. Then after that, I saw that... Zavi still have it. It's spelled Z-A-V-V-I for those who are unfamiliar with the site. So Zavi had it, and then I ordered it there. And everything went real smooth except for, like, an updated email of, like, look, it should be coming. And through – I don't want to speak ill will of, like, any company. So, But I understand that because of the panic buy and it's limited, you can – if you get something that's last in stock – Right. Clearly, you may or may not get it because you don't know who clicked check out first. Mm-hmm. And these people, they won't know till the next morning. So I don't blame them if they emailed me and was like, look, I'm I don't have any more. I, you know, the computer updated and someone else got it literally one second before you because mm-hmm. we don't know. So just to be safe, uh, Arrow actually had a couple copies left because I didn't really hear from Savi or Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then I was waiting for my money to be returned. So we so I did get mine from Arrow. Arrow came quite quite well and it just came immediately. So I got that. I mean there was a whole thing with various couriers I had issues with also during this time. Uh, but however I did get it. So I do have a lovely Arrow one wrapped in that. So the long story short is through nothing but blessings and miracles of miracle, I do have more than one. <laughs> no, people, I do not have 10 because I don't believe in hoarding and I don't want to sell these things for 10 times its price. I just went into a panic and just wanted to at least make sure I had one for myself. And my plan was always, and I talk, I spoke with Chris about this, <clears throat> the extra one that we have we that I was finally able to obtain that came as a surprise at a doorstep after I had like no update about where it is. They were like, "Oh, it's lost," and I and, was like, "What?" And it, it showed up. And I'm le- sorry, what? I'm sorry, but and let's let's be a little specific too. Mo- like almost uh, almost oh, I think what, almost two months after it was released. Yeah, after two months it was released. So by this time, y'all, I've already lost faith. And it's okay. Like, I wasn't upset. I was like, look, as long as I get my money back or whatever, it's fine, Mm -hmm. right? Like, not everything you order in your life is going to 
show up. It's going to be frustrating, but I also understand. Like, I just did backups in, in case I got one that did. So out of nowhere, I am currently packing and doing a few things. I'm not moving out of Los Angeles. I'm still here, you you all. Uh, I found a box, and I opened it, and there's an extra one. So, so, so right now, Chris and I, we do have an extra one that if you we are thinking of doing it as like a subscriber special down the line so there might be something for you all but we're going to hammer out the details of how we want to do that until then but Chris and I have always thought it's wonderful to reward our many you know our amazing fans and followers who come and listen and they should be able to get something that is sold out mm-hmm. Um, that I did have to end up paying for. True. So, yes, this was not like I'm not giving – we're not giving other people the free things that that others give us. I, those make great prizes as well. Those – they're great giveaways as well. But this one was actually paid for. Yes. So – And it is not cheap either. It was not cheap. No. And Chris also had informed me that the new set coming out of the Complete Collection will not have – the two books that are included. No. So somewhere down the line, when we hammer out these details, the Kaiju Kingdom podcast listeners will have a chance to be able to get one as our free giveaway. And you do not have to pay for shipping. Chris no. and I will just be shipping and we will ship it to you. So again, that is, we'll probably have something for that closer to the end of the month. When we hammer out the details, as as you're listening to this, the site has will have been launched. There, uh, it will be the I don't want to say beta. It's it's essentially will be operational, but there's uh, some upgrades coming to it that we will be having soon, including merchandise. So uh, once we figure that, once we get all those kinks worked out. Then we will inform all you lucky people who haven't had a chance to obtain one of these magnificent box sets that we're about to review uh, a chance to get your hands on one of them. So I know a lot of people were belly aching because a lot of people got theirs canceled on them. Like that, there was a whole yes, drama. Yes, I understand that feeling. Yes, <laughs> I understand that feeling. There was drama, Jessica. Such drama over a box set. That, by the way. It turns out a lot of people slept on because they're like, I'll just wait till it comes out and get it. Because Arrow kind of said it was limited edition, but they didn't say how limited. And it turns out it's quite limited. I think there was only like a pressing of like maybe like 6,000, if that, which is not much. So they are absolutely sold out on their website. I've checked everywhere. Uh, the only people that have it up are secondhand sellers on either eBay or on Amazon, and they are asking an arm and a leg. And honestly, it is what the market is dictating because you all snoozed, and so now, unfortunately, some of you are losing if you wanted this. So, to be fair, to be clear, we do know that Arrow will be reissuing the discs sometime early next year. They have said as much. Matt Frank, who worked on the on the set, has also relayed that message as much. It will be more of a... Um, I don't want to say bare bones, because that would mean it's just the movies. No. Anything that's on the discs, 
are coming into a, a smaller box set. So uh, akin to the great uh, Sukumoto set that uh, the company put out back in April, which you don't know, that man, he made Tetsuo the Iron Man and a bunch of other wonderful, wacky things. That box set alone, like, I could go on for days because I went through that and it's magical. But that's the Arrow quality. That's the Arrow standard now. Arrow... I, I gotta give it to him because this box it, it took me two whole weeks to sit through and watch every single bit of material on these discs and it's I think there's what nine discs eight discs I got it right in front of me so there are there are eight discs and two weeks it took me two whole weeks and that's just of the disc stuff that's not including all the awesome stuff that's actually with this gigantic box set that weighs like... I, I, I just how much would you say this thing weighs? Like, you, you're holding it in your hand right now. How much would you say it weighs? couple pounds. Basically, I will equate to a small puppy. Yes. No joke. It Not is, a chihuahua puppy. Like a shih tzu dachshund puppy. It is a brick. So a little bit heftier. A little bit heftier. Yeah, yes. it's heavy. It, it is heavy. Yes. So they weren't screwing around this thing. Now, here's here before we go into it... So, uh, late last year, Criterion put out their Showa Godzilla set. And there was a lot of, let's just say, belly aching about the packaging they put it in, where it was very big. It's a book. And people were bemoaning, it's like, why? Why would you do that? It doesn't fit with my stuff now, blah, blah, blah. Arrow. Uh, probably, you know, smartly did not tell anyone how big this box set was going to be until I think closer to release date. And even then, you didn't really yes. get a, a good like example of how big it was really going to be. I've When this thing showed up, I put it next to the Criterion set. It's only like a half inch smaller than that Criterion book, but it is so much thicker. So, and I see, and ironically, and that, here's the thing, I've seen people praise Arrow for this, like they didn't, they didn't bellyache anywhere near that they did about the, about the Criterion set. So I would say you people are a bunch of hypocrites. But that being said, this box set is absolutely magnificent. I am a major DVD collector. I, I mean, Jessica's seen my collection. I've been, I, I got wall to wall stuff. I mean, am I, am I? Yes. So. I take my DVDs very seriously. I, I mean, I was an early adopter. I had, I bought stuff based on the special features they were releasing. And I've been the first person to say for years, it's like, companies have gotten lazy with their offerings. Uh, and not only that, but as um, streaming became more readily available, they've become more of a boutique item more than anything else. I mean, there was a glory day back in the mid-2000s when you could walk into a Fry's Electronics or a Best Buy and there was just aisles upon aisles upon aisles because every company and their brother was putting out everything on DVD. I would go and drop two, $300 at a time on just stacks and stacks of stuff. And once we moved to the higher formats, I'm like, all right, Blu-ray it is. If I don't need it, I don't need it. And now we've gotten to, like, all right, well, you just got to special order this because it's only being released on Amazon, and that's going to be it. And, like, uh, you fool. Like, I, like, 
be far from me to complain about streaming. I love streaming. But it's not the end-all to be-all. And if anything, the rights issues have shown a lot of people the thing you like to watch is not always going to be on the thing you want to watch it on, and it's not always going to be there. That is why I have stuck to my guns on buying DVDs, because if it's a movie I, movie or show I truly love, I want to be able to watch it at 4.30 in the morning on a Wednesday if I feel the, the need and whim to. So this, uh, this, this box set was a no-brainer for me. One, it was a proper re-release of Gamma the Brave, and two, it w- it already seemed like it was a huge upgrade from the Shout Factory Gamma releases that they put out, I want to say, back in 2009, 2010. And once I cracked this thing open, it was like, <clears throat> it was a treasure trove. It was, it, it, they went above and beyond. And I think, Jessica, let's start with the packaging and the books. First off, the cover, the slipcase. Artwork by Matt Frank. Magnificent. Yes, it is. Yes, the artwork is by Matt Frank. And it is it's really lovely. He always does great work. Mm-hmm. And I really love how also the spine just has already everything listed. Mm-hmm. Also, it's wide enough, too. So when you put it on the shelf, you can be able to read everything that's already on there. Yes. I know that certain collections doesn't, they don't have that. It's almost like just the title of the book, but not all the chapters, for example. Mm -hmm. And then the back is the shell. (laughs) The top kind of ingrained texture of the shell. Mm Mm-hmm. I really, really liked it. Also, the bottom and the top of the box also has, I wouldn't say texture, but the looks of texture. That originally, when I did open it, I thought the top was scuffed, which I already knew with courier issues with Mm. this whole thing. I was like, this person just threw it. He (laughs) threw it on the doorstep, but it turned out to be, no, that was part of the look of the box. Mm -hmm. Also, the uh, the slip box is pretty thick. Yes. Which is better material, because sometimes a slip box rips right open when you're trying to take out something. No, I mean, this thing can stop a bullet. It is is pretty hefty. It is quite heavy. So, let's, let's go into the box. What do we got first, Jessica? Well, first other than the obvious DVDs, which we'll be able to get to. Mm -hmm. The first thing that makes this the collected edition is the fact that you have the actual companion book that goes along with it. With, uh, so with really great art by Matt, like I got to give it up to Matt on this one. Like the art on the front is, is quite spectacular. It's got that, uh, Kind of like a, that turn of the century kind of Japanese style to it, and then on the back it's got uh, a really big e, you know, deep cuts uh, painting of I think I think it's pronounced Garisharp, the uh, the snake monster for the unproduced gamma the the, film, the gamma film that never got off the ground. Yes, and. It is really, really beautiful in the inside because I've always loved companion books. Mm -hmm. And inside, there's also anatomy of the different kaijus. Yes. I love those. These are like a nice harken, like a callback to the, um, oh, God, the the Japanese, like, uh, like these little books that um, 
you know, kids would buy back in the days would give you the inner workings of the monsters. Like you see like the, the sack that produces the fire, the stomach, the stuff like that. Like it gives you like a hint that these things are living, breathing creatures. They're not just, you know, men in suits. Like it shows you how these things actually work. And it's, I'm looking at the, the, the Jiger one and it's like, Oh, okay. So that's how, you know, he flies, she flies and, uh, with the little weird suction cup things, like it's 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 a cool little thing. And then clearly Matt's artwork for like Legion and Iris and Zetas that have never really been done in that style. It's it's it, it just adds to the pure joy. And this thing, oh my god, one of my one of my my vices in life is the smell of fresh print. It yes, when it opens up, it's like the. I like the fresh books, mm-hmm. and then you hear the sounds, but also, obviously, older vintage secondhand books when you go yes. to a bookstore. Yes, if it's an old book that hasn't sat in moisture, that old book smell is great. But that fre- that new, like, if I could ever, like, figure out how to bottle that scent, I would sell it as a cologne, because it's just so good. I love smelling, like, a freshly minted, uh, freshly printed book in my hands. There's just... It's new. It hasn't really had a chance to be read, and the the like the ink is still drying on your hands. Like it's and it just wasps. You're like, oh, it gets it gets you pumped to actually like dig in and read through this thing. I do think that there actually is a candle that smells like I think it's called library or bookstore. <gasps> Damn it! I slept on that then. Someone else is making money off me. I need to figure out how to. I need to figure out how to get that smell of a freezer and a barbecue pit in a cologne. Then, and I think I'm on to something. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it's not in a cologne. It's <laughs> only in a candle, like a soy candle, I believe. I might... So you still, you still could do it. There's still, there's still a chance. There's a hope. There's a hope. Yes, yes. I, I would say going through though quickly through the like for example i'm i went straight to i just opened it up it's random pages y'all uh gamma versus Burgon. Mm-hmm. i love how they have the cast and everything because it's a companion book my eyes very quickly everyone knows i have COVID fatigue and we're recording this at 1 a.m in the morning <laughs> i don't see the suit actor teruo aragaki Excuse me if I pronounce the name incorrectly. Listed as the suit actor. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. He is. I am incorrect, and that is on me because I am tired. <laughs> uh, yes, but I think I think that's something I always look for first. I do believe the face actors are very important, mm-hmm. but I, especially since we emphasize Haru and Nakajima, so I do I do like to see at least with that one he is. Listed. I will have to go see other ones. As well. Sorry, and I, 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 I inadvertently. Yeah, Akira Os- or, or, or Hashi is under Gamera to Attack of Legion, so he's also. This is great because hmm. this companion book is listing as many people as they can. Exactly, and I goofed on giving Matt credit for the monster, the three D. Uh, there, the X ray designs. That's actually to uh, a uh, Joylin Yates. So that's who's credited in here for that. Oh, okay. Yes. And then there's a nice, huge, thick interview with uh, the father of Gamera, Noriyaki uh, uh, Yuasa, 
which uh, sadly the man has, uh, you know, shed his mortal coil years ago. But it's nice because this this whole box set is kind of a testament to his legacy. And oh, again, mm, just get get hits of those that that fresh print, man, just mm, so good. But again, like you don't you do not see this kind of work. Even Criterion has kind of gotten a little lax with uh, the materials they give out in some of their, their like nicer sets now. Like Back in the day, they would give you all kinds of stuff. Now it's like, yes, we focus on picture quality. We focus on the best sound. Giving you the director's commentary. Um, you know, behind-the-scenes interviews and stuff like that. But it's these little things, like the booklets, the, the, the companion... Um, uh, pamphlets, stuff like that. Like this is kind of going the way of the dodo, and it's exceptionally sad. So to yeah, see yeah. The, that the 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 Brits are keeping it alive. God bless you guys. <laughs> yes, yes. To yes, to our friends over the seas, over the pond. Yes, and also you get to have all you listeners get to have two great perspectives. From someone where Chris was wise enough to be able to crack open up his. He got his early as, again, he went through Diabolic. So he got to go through everything and absorb it. And for someone like I, who didn't get it till recently and didn't have time to open it until today. <laughs> so I got to, ex- I, I mean, I did look at the, spe- obviously the special features was something I saw listed. So I knew that there was commentary and friends of ours that are on it. Oh, we'll However, give those in a minute. We'll yes, in, in a little bit. However, I'm experiencing, as I'm flipping through and smelling the companion <laughs> book, uh, like a true bibliophile, uh, I get to experience this literally one to two hours before <laughs> Chris and I logged on to speak. Uh, part of it was also, it was delivered kind of late, and also with packing and everything, I go through boxes as I get them. Mm-hmm. So these books, they came a little bit later, so I opened these books a little bit later and I let them out for a little bit. Well, let's talk about so, let's talk about your area of expertise. The other book that came with this. Yes, so 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 excited. We Chris and I on Kyle Yant's hard work of Kaiju Con online. We did get to talk about the Gamera comics done by Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. However, through that, we get to relive this again mm-hmm. in a collected edition with Arrow on its spine. And on the spine, it says Gamera, the comics collection. Yes. The so First time ever. Yes. First yes. time ever. First time these, ever. These Dark Horse comics have been collected in the bound... Uh, hardcover. It's, it's a hardcover, but it's, it's essentially a trade. It's a trade paperback. Or it's, 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 it's is, a trade. Yes. It's not a trade. It's not a paperback because it's hardcover, but it is a trade. Yes, it is hard. Yes. So this is hardcover while the companion book is paperback. Mm-hmm. And the interior of both the insides of the book covers already has really great art. Mm-hmm. Other than the four original comics that we have, we also have an original by Matt Frank. So this. In the beginning. I want to say. He released this about like three years ago in Japan. So it was a it was Japan only um, release, and I believe it was actually really uh, much like this book. It was released with 
the first ever printing of these Gamma comics from Dark Horse in Japan. I think someone had licensed them. And Matt uh, did this... I forgot the proper term for what you call like fan books in Japan, fan comics. Again, it's a little late and... So, uh, Jinshi, yes. I have butchered it and I understand, so mm-hmm. please don't come at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a fan-made comic. I believe... Yeah, he titled it The Last Hope. Yes. However, and, you know, it was great. I think people did like it. It was one of those... The reason why I like the collected edition, I know you spoke about it earlier, I love everything Gamera. I love... You know, however, mm-hmm. it's not as widely circulated as Godzilla, mm-hmm. which Godzilla is already not as much circulated. It is more now, less so. So anything that was Gamera, I try to get. And mm-hmm. the fact that this was a completed collection, I also want to get my hands on it. So that's, you know, my reasoning, other than I love it, is because we don't get enough of this. Yeah. And, beca- and with that, Matt made a fan-made comic. It was well received, from what I know. I mean, everyone told me they liked it. I didn't. I didn't have anyone come up to me and yell that they didn't like it or anything. No, it's and a. So I. It's yeah. a nice like. So the best way I could describe this this book, it is a. It is to the the Heisei films, in a prequel format, to what. Gamera 4 by Shinpei Hayashiya is to the the epilogue of that. So both are very fan-made, and I don't know if... I'm not 100% sure if uh, Kodokawa ever signed off on this. I don't, I don't know. But it is very much like in the vein of like... The things that we all always... That we always wondered when we watched those, those 90 films is like they set up like a great lore that kind of gets touched upon but like never truly do they delve into it like the 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 fact of atlantis the multiple cameras the uh the different monsters i mean there are nice uh homages or homages to um like some of the uh the especially like garisab i think there's a version that, that matt did in here of that yeah i'm looking at him right now there's a big snake looking thing uh, his kind of take on Gamera, like the the concept of uh, a guardian working with uh, the, with the Gamera's, like how they feel their pain, the attack of the Gauss, like the different, just the different bioweapons that Atlantis like unleashed. It's it's very beautiful. Like this this is an exceptionally well done uh, comic. It's, I think it's only like what sixteen pages. Yeah, it's about. Yeah, it is shorter. It is shorter. Yes. It, yes, it's definitely short. Uh, but it, it's I I thoroughly enjoy. I've I've heard him talk about it several times in the past, and so it it was nice. Like it was the first thing I when I popped this this box open. It was the first thing I went to because I'm like, all right, this is one of the things I've been very curious to see because again, Matt clearly loves uh gamma. So and the fact that you know you're you're playing with a little bit of the lore, that's that's the fun part of it. And then yeah, we get into yeah, yeah. And then from there what do we get into, Jessica? Oh, actually I was I was gonna say oh, he yeah. got to then include this as an official bonus story. Okay. Which was really, really interesting. But I did I did want to say my confession for all the listeners is obviously I, I love all the movies and I liked the 
companion book, I pretty much also got it because I really wanted the complete collection of the comics, <laughs> along with mm-hmm. the, all along with Matt Frank's uh, official tie into it. So I, if you felt like I paid money, like, you know, like a dum dum just to get the comics collection, well, yeah. But you know, I've I've paid more for other comics collections, so I felt like this was a good investment for myself. And I didn't know I didn't want to look into the future thinking that anybody else would sell all the items separate mm-hmm. because that would make the slip box useless. Yeah. So I wasn't gonna wait for someone to sell everything separately. No. So I was like, you know what? I love the DVDs, anyways. I like the comics. I I love the comics, and I like that there's a companion book. So. I was really glad to get that. I think between you and I, we only have like one set of the Dark Horse collection, and you actually have mine still. Like I loaned you, I loaned you yes. to do our our panel for yes. uh, KaijuCon. Yes. Like I, I, I have a lot of things in a storage unit that I know is put in boxes, properly <laughs> labeled, but stacked <laughs> so high and tight yes. that. Much like Monica's closet in Friends, I'm very afraid to open it. <laughs> so it's not like messy, so it's not like it's gonna fall on you. Mm-hmm. But I just I can't do that. And also, I have I have gaslit myself so much on certain things <laughs> that I I am 99.9% sure I have all four, you know, bag and boarded tape. But just in case that 1% I didn't, and Chris didn't want me to go out into a pandemic world to look for this, Chris graciously lent me his. And that's I, the one that we use I, for Kyle's Kaiju con line. I sallied forth into a uh, into a pandemic world like Damnation Alley to deliver those books to you. <laughs> you did. From the recesses of Orange County to the... To the base of Pasadena, so oh you know, a nice thirty-five minute drive. It is, <laughs> and then, but then from there we have another lovely hardcover, which is Gamera: The Complete Collection, and that's where the DVDs are. Yes, and by the way, if you have not, so go back and listen to the episode I put it up where uh, from the KaijuCon line where we review these, but. Again, to just refresh, this is such a wacky, weird kind of like footnote in the history of Gamera. The fact that this book was even produced, I I get it. It was done at a time when Dark Horse had the Godzilla license. And it was also done at a time, they weren't the only ones. Like, much like Mean Girls and trying to make Fetch happen, uh... A couple of these companies out here in America in the night, like in the mid '90s, tried to make Gamera happen. God bless them. It didn't work, but they at least tried. Dark Horse gave us this four-part miniseries, which is a technically sequel to Gamera: Guardian of the Universe. It actually uses characters from Guardian of the Universe as the actual proper sequels coming out in Japan, and you know, kind of folds in some of the other legacy monsters. At the same time, Trendmasters was trying desperately to launch a Gamera toy line, which sadly <laughs> didn't get out there yeah. because of financial issues with the company. Yes. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. But it, they, they look absolutely fantastic. I was going through them. The, 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 it's, it's a, it's a large format. So the, the, the pages are actually 
much fuller. I mean, they're they're literally twice the size of the actual comic book if you have the actual comics at home. So there's there's something magical about reading them, almost to scale of what the you know, I think they're only like a slightly shorter than comic board, like the standard is. So you get this wonderful, big, sprawling, wacky, weird Gamera story, but it's done in, in such a way that's that like people seriously like took time and effort to make this kind of like wonky book look as good as it possibly could. It, which is, again, another testament to the quality that Arrow was putting into this set. Yes, they have actually, it's so well done mm-hmm. and so kind of well packaged together that it is truly impressive. It was, yeah, it was very, it's very heavy, very thick in the type of cardboard that they used, especially for the slipcase. So that I'm most impressed about. I'm very happy. And so, yeah, definitely Dave Arrow's put in a lot into this Mm -hmm. because they must know it's really the first time to have a collection like this. Especially Gamera. I mean, look, Shell Factory tried. They put out a setback, and I want to say like 2009, 2010. It looked pretty good. It was better than um, the real crappy dollar bin DVDs that were being put out like by they they were I think they weren't even the Sandy Franks I want to say they were the, the old AIP cuts because I actually bought a couple of them like at a Walgreens one time just to look and they were like absolutely dog crap like you, you sit there and you're like god like why and you realize they're, they're cheap and they were probably under some sort of like cheap catalog that this company bought to they can press and issue these things so this I mean again this th- it outdoes even the, the, the Shaw Factory set, which looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. Like, uh, Mill Creek put out a good set of them eventually, but not it, nothing to this quality, nothing to this care and time and effort was put into these things. Like, this is the first, again, it's Gamera. Here in America, like, he's as niche as it gets. Like, people know him because he's a, as, as the great, um, uh, Jack Kirby once said he's a big he's he's a giant turtle that shoots fire out of his butt and he enjoys watching him that way. He, he, you know he's the the to some the dollar store Godzilla, but he has a loyal following. To so again, someone bothered like no, we're gonna put time, care, and effort into these magnificent films. I think especially considering the, the fact that the Heisei films are held in such high regard, like to again like completely blown away. By everything I've seen thus far into this thing, including this wonky-ass Dark Horse book, which I know, for a lot of people, this is the first time they even realized this thing even existed. Because Dark Horse never re-released that thing after it was uh, put out. Right, right. That is very, very true. That is very, very true. All right, let's jump into the meat of this. Right. Yes. Yes. What everyone I think is maybe, I mean, I'm into the comics that are waiting for is the DVD portion of it. So, which is also done like a big book, which is awesome. Yes. It is hardcover. It is hardcover. It shares the cover of the slipcase. Um, when you open it up, so we have Matt's artwork 
and it co- it uh, correlates with each film that are you know correlate to the disc that are out there. So we had Gamera, Gamera versus Baragon, Gamera versus Gauss, and again another thing that completely passed me by up until. Uh, our good friend Tommy pointed out, he's like, did you see the map? I'm like, what map? And in the, uh-huh. in the front cover, you pull out, there's this whole map of Gamera's exploits across Japan. And they give you the, the exact point and place and time that all of his big fights took place. Which is nice, yeah. especially considering if uh, you're like me, you've never been to Japan. You're kind of a little bit of lo- at a loss for the topography sometimes of like, well, where exactly are they? I'm like here, it's like, oh yeah, there, you know, there's two superheroes fighting in Chicago. You know where Chicago's at, but like I, you know, I know like Tokyo's on the east side and uh, Sapporo's up north, and then that's about it. Like when they start mentioning these other places, I'm like. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Someone has to point out to me on the map. This is fantastic. This is, yeah, yeah. This is a great time to both learn geography mm-hmm. and also of a country that is not yours, but also to learn some Japanese because one side is in English mm-hmm. and the other side is in Japanese. So if you see the Japanese side first, do not freak out. Mm-hmm. If you cannot read and understand it, the other side is in English. It is presumably for me the same on both sides. It does say Japanese and English um, translations. And that way you can be able to kind of follow along Gamera's exploits and read about it in English. And if you've got time currently doing safer at home, then you can teach yourself Japanese on the other side. Mm -hmm. So let's jump to the back of the box at the very end. Yes. There is yes. more goodies in this, and I'm pulling them out right now. So you get collector cards. They're postcard size. Of, little art cards that yes. coincide with each film. So these, I would, I would argue. So when you pull, when you pull up the the DVD menus, you're getting snippets of these, uh, of the art of Matt's artwork. And Arrow gave you actually tiny little prints of each one that could be used as the cover art for the film that it correlates with them. And some of these are, they're all great. Like Matt, I, I gotta give Matt like full props because the artwork is spectacular on some of this. This is some of his best work that he's done. So, uh, I don't know if he's ever listening, but kudos, like proper kudos go out to this. Like, uh, on, on, you know, it's quite astonishing. Um, the amount that goes into this, like this had to be a bit of an undertaking considering that everything is fully colored, detailed, like it's, it's magnificent. Each page contains like snippets of that artwork and pretty much, and it was nice of them to actually give you the arrow, the company to give you like that full artwork, uh, textless and as it should be seen. Yes. Yes. And it's really gorgeous. Uh, because as you're flipping through it, and I know Chris is going to go through the DVDs, each, I want to say, holder, page holder, is very thick. Mm-hmm. Full of his beautiful artwork, across from it is where the DVD slip is in. I have had issues in the past with other companies. You take out the DVD, and that paper just rips. Yeah. And you are sitting there feeling like you have wasted some money. I would, but this is pretty. These are pretty thick. They're thick. I would still recommend uh, be a little gentle when you're pulling them out. I've had I've had a close call where I thought I was 
loosening the sleeve. I'm, I'm still not a huge fan of these kinds of sleeves, but that's it, it, you know, it, it, compare to the quality that goes into the set. I, that's it's my really my only complaint is because the Criterion Godzilla set suffers from a similar thing. Like you just they kind of sit in these sleeves. They're not. It, they're not exactly protective of the disc because they can spin around and uh, catch on the cardboard, and you know there are chances it could scratch your disc a bit. So, if you're having it displayed, it shouldn't be too much of an issue. But eh, like again, I rather have a nice proper plastic clamshell that keeps the disc slightly um, hovering, so nothing can really screw with it. But. Again, of just a tad bit of a just um, the the most minor is a minor complaint. That's my only thing I'm really going to say about that. Yeah, no, no, I completely understand. I think some people don't mind this as long as your disc doesn't come flying out. But also, I think people are used to clamshells. Mm-hmm. I have seen some people transfer the discs over. I mean, physically into a DVD, yeah, a booklet where they were able to close it down and everything. I think it's because as much as I do love those, but the clip that keeps the DVD in needs to be really well done Mm -hmm. because I've had picked up a DVD before and I could hear the hard sound of a loose DVD in there floating around. So it really has to really click. You know, when you press that middle Mm -hmm. button, you can hear it. But oh. I understand, yeah. I've gotten more than a few in the mail from Amazon where you pick it up and you just you can hear that thing just shuffling around in there. I'm like, God damn it. And you open up and you pray to whatever god you pray to that it's like, please don't let this thing be scratched to hell. Nine times out of ten, you get lucky and there's really nothing wrong with it. But every once in a while, man, you find one that just looks like it got ran over by a bus. Uh, those are, I, I had one. I've had two instances of that. One was when I bought a Blu-ray of Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and the thing actually didn't even play. It was it had a big scratch on the side, but looking at it, it was it it didn't I don't think anything was even written. I think it was just a an error that got printed, like a blank DVD got through the got through the press line. So thankfully Amazon replaced that for me and hopefully the thing got tossed. And then there was an anime I forgot which anime it was I bought. I, I got it from uh I was. I want to say it was another Amazon one, and it just came, and it was just like pretty much looked like someone had tagged on it. Like you, you know what? You ever see like an asshole that takes like a key and etches like a tagging into like the side of a wall or something? Because you know you're a real dick if you do that. That's what this disc looked like. I'm like, oh man. So it was like another like week before I actually got to crack it open, like a proper one, and actually watch it. So. That is the downside of just having things delivered to you, people. Sometimes, like, you're rolling the dice, and you're, you're, it makes you wait even longer. So I've argued it's waiting for certain things is good, but sometimes when you like, we're at the finish line. No, you're not. We've moved it back another, like, 20 yards. Like, ah, damn it. Yeah, I prayed that this came unscathed. That I didn't get, like, a dent or scratch or something because i also don't know how different companies package their items well again i I prefer to pick things up by hand but yes yeah i know i know a few people posted on twitter their amazon ones came damaged uh (gasps) yeah the sides of the of the top corners were smashed uh the books were bent like yeah and yeah 
it was oh it was heart wrenching. Um, that's how my Amazon sent my um, deluxe edition of Batman the Animated Series when they came out last year. So I ordered two. I ordered one for me and one for a Christmas present. And when they arrived, it, one was completely smashed to hell. Like the box was unsalvageable. Thankfully, the DVD box inside was perfectly fine. And the little Funko Pop that came with it managed to survive. But the rest of the box, I'm like, oh, I got to toss this. And my buddy had ordered one, and he got the same thing. It looked like it. It looked like whatever. Uh, palette that those DVDs came in on, something fell on them. And I saw, I was reading up on Amazon, a lot of people had the same thing. So I took mercy on my buddy. He was like, I'm going to return mine. And I'm like, here, you can just pay me for the extra one and then go get your money back and whatever. But yeah, there was that, it, it's always heart wrenching when you, it, this, especially this thing you're really waiting for and the shows have just so screwed up. Again, the, the, the give and take of laziness and instant gratification that you're going to get stuff like this. I know a lot of those people did not get their, their disc sets back. I know some people, I saw some people are like, I'm keeping it because they're sold out. Like they can't, I, they can't replace this. So there's a few more than a few people out there that have like a really bent up damaged box. And I, I, my heart Aww. weeps for those people. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's so bad. <laughs> I just brought the whole room down. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I'm just looking at my item and being like, "Woof!" I'm glad it came. Are you hugging? I mean, it? there was obviously issues. I am hugging it quite yes. tightly to my chest. Yes. <laughs> so let's get down to the nitty gritty. The actual contents yeah. of these discs. Jessica, let's start listing off some of the, the special features. And uh, I'll give you the deets on because I have I have vigorously gone through every single feat. I've watched every movie. I've listened to every commentary track. I've watched every special feature. So yes. I can give you the full breakdown yes. of this thing. Yes. So for the discs themselves, there are eight of them. Mm-hmm. Be careful as you're flipping through. Somehow I missed one entire sleeve and counted six and almost had a freak out. There are there are eight of them. They're all 1080p. Yes. So they're all meant to be high def. Mm-hmm. And each one of them have commentaries or introductions. And a lot of them are also, by the way, there are also English subtitles for those that are deaf and or hard of hearing. Mm -hmm. There are obviously archive featurettes, interviews with various people that were important to that specific movie, and also Gamera specials. There are also alternate English credits. There are trailer and image galleries. So it's almost like each disc has their own companion book to it it does which i find yeah really really great oh that's this is where you're getting your money's worth honestly so disc one first off i'm going to say this about every single one of these films especially the show of films i've never in my entire existence in these 36 years i've been walking on this earth have ever seen these films look this good and and it also kind of put me to shame because when I was watching, especially Gamma versus Gauss, like the version I've seen more than anything else is the Sandy Frank one that Mystery Science Theater used. 
to make fun of. I, I didn't realize <laughs> how much how much got cut out of these films. Like, I didn't realize there was a whole opening sequence to Gamma versus Gals. I'm like, wait, what in God's name is this? It's like, oh yeah, this is the opening. Like, I didn't realize any of that. Any of that. Like, I because I watched everything in its original Japanese language format. And, god damn it, they look spectacular. These things look fresh. Like, it looks like they struck brand new prints for these things. Like, the 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 color, the, it's per, it's... A, it's great to see perfect color timing, and B, it's great to see these things not butchered to hell, especially the Sandy Frank versions. Um, Gamera one, the so Gamera, Gamera the Invincible, Gamera er, Giant Monster, Gamera Giant Monster, absolutely stunning, like crisp black and white. Uh, it, like I've never in my entire life seen anything look as good as this. Uh, especially this film that has been pretty much seen, most people have only seen like the beat up version of it either on Mystery Science Theater or uh, if they watched it on TV as a kid, if there goes back far enough on those AIP dubs or the crappy Sandy Frank uh, VHS cassettes they put out but here's the brilliant thing Arrow did not just give us the just the Japanese version. They gave us an English language version of all these. I believe the uh, the AIP version of Gamera is on there. And for I think on the first disc they give us the Sandy Frank commercials. So when you popped in the VHS tapes, so this go harkens back to a, a young Chris on Christmas morning of 1993. My I open up this tape and there's this giant monster and it's called Gamera. I'm like, what is this? My dad's like, hey, it's like Godzilla. You'll like it. And at the end of each of the Gamera uh, films, so the trailer, the actual, the actual proper use of a trailer because it trails the movie, they would show you, hey. This is the next Gamera film. And then we're like, wait, there's more? And they put most of those trailers on here, which made my black heart turn bright red and grow three sizes because it was just the nostalgia injection into my spine that I needed for that for that time. Like, the fact that those were preserved. Like, the actual bit, because those Sandy Frank trailers were awesome. Because the, the narrator has such gusto in his voice when he's talking about it. my absolute favorite is the Gamera versus Baragon one when uh, he's just going it's like Gamera's back and Baragon's got him and Gamera versus Baragon it's like he's calling a professional wrestling match it just it, I rolled a tear seeing these for the first time in years and not only that but they got the best copies of those that they could when I pulled them up it looked great it looked absolutely stunning and I'm getting I'm getting sidetracked. So uh, each no, one of these films, is great. Your passion because you got to you got to experience this and the joy while mines came much later. I know. Mine I said actually came much later. I felt bad. I kept texting you like, did you get it yet? Did you get it yet? Did did it come yet? Like you got to watch it. You got to watch it. It's not like oh no, I lived I lived vicariously through you because whenever you watched it, mm. you'll be like night two. I am watching this, yes. and then you would take a photo of your TV screen <laughs> with the credits or whatever scene it is pulled up. Mm -hmm. I see it on Facebook, and that's how I can track you and know where you're at. I'm like, I'm living vicariously through a still image of a still image. So, I would start each each disc. So, each for all but Gamma the Brave, 
which I, what I didn't find out until I actually pulled it up, uh, they open with August Rigoni doing an introduction, kind of giving you like a little, okay, so what is this? What are we watching here? And I'll gotta give August credit. These are actually very nice little introductions, and th- there are lesser entries that he's kind of perfectly honest with, and I, I, I give him full credit on that. These these are fun. They're about five minutes apiece. He uh, kind of gives you like a little bit of a history lesson of the film you're about to see in case this is your first time viewing. And so that's how I would start each of one of them. All right, let's open with August. And then I would go through, see, all right, here's the trailer, trailer. The, so they would have the Japanese trailer, the Japanese second trailer, the textless American trailer, the AIP trailer, the Sandy Frank VHS release trailers. They had everything that they could possibly get their hands on. Uh, just what I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. So you got to listen for me. What else is on that first disc? It has uh, everything. Oh, there is archived footage from '91, and that includes interviews with mm. director Nero Noriaki Yuasa, yes. writer Nitsan Takahashi, and others. You have various interviews. There's one filmed by Jorg Butch. Gurit, I, I'm so sorry. I'm going to butcher your last name, but it's mm-hmm. Jorg, uh, B-U-T-T-G-E-R-E-I-T, which is in 2002. And they have a Gamera special, which is a one-hour-long best of compilation, also supervised, but Yuasa in 91. Yes. There are alternate English credits. And I believe he touched up on trailer and image galleries. Mm-hmm. So I went through all the special features. It was nice. I've seen a few of these pop up on YouTube in the past. Uh, the uh, Yusawa uh, interviews, I've, 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 I've glimpsed them, but they've never been properly translated. So this was nice to actually see. You know, again, we're talking almost thirty years ago that these these interviews were done, but they. They're as as good as they're going to look, and it's an interesting, nice little insight to, sadly, someone who has been, you know, has left us for, God, going on almost two decades now. I want to say it's been it's been a while, and so it's like you you get like this nice little time capsule, and then there's the special, which I was excited to see because. Um, it, again, I've never seen it subtitled. It was a nice little history. And they go into the two abandoned films that didn't get made because of the bankruptcy issue with Dai. And so these things were recreated using little models and puppets. And the very famous one is the Gamma versus Garishart, uh, which is the giant snake. And it's kind of recreated using like little toys. It's fun. It's about like four minutes. It's part of the special. And then they kind of delve deeper into the one, the weird wacky alien he was going to fight. I completely forgot the off the top of my head, the name of the thing, but it was very nice to see that finally fully. Like I could sit there and watch all like 25 minutes of it properly subtitled and understand what's going on because I speak no Japanese whatsoever. So I'm always kind of like, yeah, they're saying something. But I don't get it. Oh, cool. That looks nice. And then I jump into the actual film. I've seen, much like Jessica uh, and probably many of you, I have seen version. I've seen all these films. I've seen version, uh, 
different cuts of them, apparently, because there's a, a, more than a few times my mind was blown uh, putting in these discs, but uh, I would go through with the commentary. I believe August uh, did the first film, and uh, my hat's off to August. He he did a, a really good job with that first film. Like, he, there was no, like, he doesn't fall into the, um, the hole that a lot of people who work on films, when they're doing commentary for their own films, there are great people who do commentary, like Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Smith. They were, like, those commentary tracks for me, uh, when I was in, uh, high school and right out of high school were part, like my main buying my main reason to purchase those films because you want to hear the whole insights of how they built these things. Kevin would do a lot with his with the people that he worked with and they would just BS on there while Robert would sit there and break down how they constructed all these scenes. Like it was you get a little you know you get a little of what a prototype uh, podcast would be and then you get actual little bit of a film school. So August was came with it with all the 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 knowledge like he there's not i don't think there's a moment where he actually stops to take a breath because he is from bell to bell on that film like completely dropping as much knowledge as he can on each scene so i hats off to him on that one uh what the uh, okay so let's jump to gamma versus baragon jessica what's on that disc Yes, for that one, again, like I said, everything is 1080p with lossless original Japanese and dubbed English mono audio with optional English subtitles because I know everybody is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to enjoy their films differently. We again have a commentary and also commentary on... Well, that was Baragon. I mm -hmm. actually went straight to Baragon and Gamera versus Gaios because mm -hmm. they are on disc two. They're both listed under disc two. Mm -hmm. The first one is Gamera the Giant Monster by itself. For those listening who don't have it, there is usually more than one item on each disc. So don't think that there was some sort of mix-up when you finally do get it. Let me pause you right there. This is, again, something that Arrow has done magnificently, which is um, the, uh, the, 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 public, the, 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 the writing of these discs. They actually used Blu-ray to its like fullest potential, it feels like, because especially considering that they're cramming two films yes. onto one disc, and not only yes. are they putting that on, on their, in full 1080p, but they're putting this myriad of other content on it. And when, so when you pull up the menu, it's like, choose which film you want to watch. It's like, Oh man, this is it's it was it was the first time in a long time I've actually seen Blu-ray the format of Blu-ray put to its fullest potential. So that it again just made me like God, this is a steal. This it, they they didn't charge enough for this box set in my opinion. I, I could see some people making the argument, but I also know in our current situation everybody was like, "Oh, Mm -hmm. Let's let's count. Let's let's see how much change we have in the cushions. Or I'm gonna bite it. I'm gonna do it, and then it's gonna be ramen for a week. Mm -hmm. But I also do want to say because earlier you mentioned they are jamming more than one film or more than one featurette into a disc. As I mentioned earlier, Chris 
took a photo of his TV screen on a pause and then posted it onto Facebook, and I could still tell how clear it was. Mm-hmm. I'm, Definitely Arrow used 1080p and Blu-ray. Oh, they're absolutely yes. Oh, they're, they're absolutely stu- like the. There's not even. We'll get to it in a second, but even Gamma Super Monster looked looked as good as it's ever gonna as it's ever gonna look. Like yes, yeah. I could see that. Like, I could I, see that. Like, and also, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, well, I mean, uh, we had our friends uh, Lenny and Tommy over uh, right after I got the set. Tommy had gotten his. Lenny, much like you, was, like, biting his nails feverishly, hoping against hope that it would show up at his residence. He lives up north, so he was waiting for his roommate to, like, hey, dude, you got a package. So while he, they came over to my house one night, and I was showing this thing off, and he got a text. He's like, oh, it finally showed up. This guy, and again, we're very good friends with Lenny and, and and Tommy. Lenny had the audacity, how dare he, to uh, rag on my setup because he likes to talk about like, oh, I'm you know I worked at Best Buy, I got tech stuff. He dared, he dared besmirch my TV and he besmirched my sound system of which I don't have much. He's like, you don't even have a you know you don't even have a sound bar. I'm like. Sir, I, I live with a ninety-year-old woman in in a, in a neighborhood predominantly elderly. Like, if I was blasting the stuff like I really wanted to, I would have had the cops call to me constantly. But you know, he stood there like all high and mighty. He's like, well, you know, it looks nice, but you got to see it on my TV. I'm like, all right, you know, who has one right now? Who doesn't? Yes. So, side tangent done. <laughs> I was actually going to say, with that, when you were talking about it, I I saw that they also have a shorter American edit, mm-hmm. which is War of the Monsters, which is the American edit of Gamera versus Burragon. The with AIP one. Audio. Yes. Yeah. Which, yeah. So you got to experience all of that, the shorter version and the longer version on your setup. Again, like there was a point where I'm sitting there watching it because, I again, like a lot of these early films... I go off the Mystery Science Theater. I have the box set that that Shout put out when they got the Gamma rights, and so people were like, "You can put out the the Gamma and Mystery Science because those are cornerstones of that fandom." Like the fact that those all those movies were done tw- not once but twice. They did them twice. They did them in the um, the early uh, like it was the KT the the, the, the KTL run to so the local station, and then when they went to Comedy Central. Oh, KTLA. No, no, it wasn't KTLA. KTLA. It's whatever, it was whatever the Minnesota, the Minneapolis uh, um, local channel was. It was uh, KTL. I, I'm forgetting the rest of it. But when they got picked up by Comedy Central, uh, second season, they went back and redid all those episodes. So those are the ones I, I've, especially those films, I know the best. So watching Gamma versus Baragon, a it is the it is the most adult of all the Heisei ones because it was the only one that uh, Yurasa didn't direct. He directed the the special effects for it, but it was also the only one that doesn't have a kid protagonist in it. Like it's taken very seriously, and it I it it made me like when I'm sitting there watching it, I'm listening to the commentary, but I'm also like. This film's a hell of a lot better than I actually remember it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because like an idiot, you saw the the butchered version for so many years. It's like, 
Oh, yeah, the, the Baragon is a fantastic suit. Gamera looks great in it. The coloring, like, everything is magnificent in this film. It's like, it's a, I think it's slightly underappreciated in my, my opinion. But then again, I could just be a lone jackass in saying that. So, but uh, I digress. But I'm glad that you got to still be able to experience all of that and to also, like, have a nostalgic moment. Mm-hmm. Being like that Minnesota before they were uh, for a moment, I almost thought you meant like KCET or like the Channel 13 UPN. I was going through all of the channels in my mind, yeah, because I had those growing up. So and every that. once in a while, if you got there or you went to weird Channel 28 or something, mm-hmm. you got a Gamma film. Mm-hmm. So KTLA would show Godzilla and Gamma films for a while, but they would show them like at three in the morning, like when nothing was going on. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Which that yeah, again a like, a bygone era like they don't even air like movies anymore like late at night it's just all horrific infomercials which uh, I I'm I, again I, probably not the time or place but I'm, I'm kind of disgusted by what I'm seeing like on late night cable TV now I don't know if it's just the old man in me coming out or not but I'm just like. Some of this is really gross. Like this is this is why Hulu. This is why Hulu now because I don't have to sit through some of this stuff. Like uh, it, again, I've always argued being unemployed, both daytime TV and late night TV keeps you in a loop of depression. Daytime, it's nothing but lawyers and trade schools trying like, hey, loser, are you sitting on the couch? Are you injured? Let's go sue your former employer. Or, hey, maybe go learn to trade because you need to get off the couch. And then you get to prime time where all the fun commercials are at, you know, advertising movies and shows and all the products you want to see. But then you get past the, the you know, the 1230 uh, witching hour of main primetime television when you're getting into like the Conan old Conan O'Brien slot and you get all of the commercials that the station is legally obligated to play as public service announcements that depress the crap out of you. It is nothing but, uh, alcoholism, uh, eating disorders and abusing the elderly. There's one that haunts me to this day that I still, like, I just, I want to go take a shower with my clothes on because I, this, this ad is just, like, so morbidly depressing. And when you're watching it at, like, 2, 3 in the morning, it's compounding, it's compounding the, 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 the horror of it all because you're like, yes, this world is terrible and it's the middle of the night and there's no one I can share this with. So I'm just, it's just going to sit in my head and just eat away at me. Again, people, this is why Hulu. <laughs> yes, and I was still thinking about the whole 3 a.m. and how much late-night television has changed. I mean, if I could have stayed up at 3 a.m., I probably would have rather watched that than whatever we're having now that we're showing. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Not worth it. I've watched comedy every once in a while, and even then, I'm just like... <sighs> Like this, these ads want to make me slip my wrist. Like this is just horrible. Like I, the, the network should not be allowed to show these things. It's it's almost as bad as as like airing hardcore pornography. Like and like at this point, some of these things you might as well just be airing a snuff film because you're just bumming everybody out. So sorry, people. Like 
the side tangent over. Jessica, let's keep going down. Let's keep going down the list. What else we got? What else we got? So for disc three, Gamera versus Virus and Gamera versus Gyron. I can't. Gyron. Love Kaiju mm-hmm. will never remember how to pronounce. What I love was that there was three different versions of mm-hmm. Gamera versus Virus. Seamless branching is what they have called it. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of one of the first parts of how they've described it. Now, how did you feel about the three different versions? Uh, so they got, I believe one of them is the Sandy Frank version. So that's the Mystery Science Theater version. One is the AIP dub. And then you get the original. Uh, I would uh, I honestly just watch the original. Just watch it in its original Japanese. Because <laughs> especially if you get those Sandy Frank dubs, they were atrocious. And not only that, all those Sandy Frank ones open up with... They cut out... Like, that's the thing I found out. Like, oh, they're opening montages to all these things. Like, there's like a Bond opening for most of these Gamera films that got cut out of the Sandy Frank ones and it's just the credits overlaid uh, to a, sto- a piece of stock footage of the ocean and you just hear Gamera roaring in the background. It's like, ah, uh, yeah, that's super late. Why? I don't understand why they did it. I, To this day, it confounds me. Like, these are not long films. I think Gamera versus Virus is like 90 minutes at most. But when they cut down to the Sandy Frank version, it's only like 74 minutes and it's like, why? Why did you do this? Like, I don't understand this to this day. Like, these were not aired on TV for the most part outside Mystery Science Theater. These were put on VHS. You had enough room to put a 90-minute movie onto a tape and sell it for seven ninety nine at Pick and Save. Yes, I went that far back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Pick and Saves. Before, before the days of big lots. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. But no, I was curious your thoughts on that one. And also the fact is they have featurettes with Carl Craig. That was fun. Who, I like you know, that. Show, yeah, showed his souvenirs and props from Gamera versus mm-hmm. Virus and also his highlights from G Fast in two thousand three with himself again, Carl Craig, but also Urasa. How were those? Those were really fun because um that is what I call the in-between period. So I, the only G-Fest I was able to attend before that were the two L.A. shows, the Burbank and the Hollywood. So these are them. Th- this is the show going back to Chicago. And the for- what I would call, like, the bigger formation period when they really became, like, big things. Like, a, it became, like, a show that everyone was going to. So it was, it's, it's nice because you see people that today, like... We go and hang out with after the show's done on the patio at the at, at, at the Crown, and you know we're having a good time and, and talking. And you see them, and it's like 15 years ago, and they're all like they're all babies, they're all little, they're 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 you know like I I think I saw Kyle in the background of one, and like Sans beard, and he looks like. He looks like a like he just got out of high school almost. So that was nice. The footage is actually very um it's very clean. I, I was actually astonished because this is all shot on video. Um <clears throat> and again, it's you know, one of these the, one of the people in the video is no longer with us. So it's a nice it's a nice little time capsule of what we would call better times. So, and it also yeah. kind of shows how yeah. far, how much the show has changed as well. And if, you know, I sat there like, it was a little like, ah, oh, like I missed out on a lot here by not going to the show then, but you know, 
this was before podcasting. This was, you know, for, for me, it was just Comic-Con. That's all I could afford. And it's like getting on a plane to fly out to Chicago. Like, I can't do that. Like, but that's 20, that's 19, 20 year old me talking like that. So I think what, 2003 is that, that, that was the one they put on there. Yes, yeah. yes, G-Fest 10. 19 years old, I was. Not even a thought in my head about getting on a plane to fly out to Chicago. I'm like, I'm working at a movie theater making minimum wage. Like, how am I ever going to afford that? Little did I know, like, it would become one of our, one of, one of the staples that you and I would be doing later on. Yes, yes. And me always doing work in that hotel room. Mm-hmm. And then I come down to the floor the day after it opens. Mm-hmm. Not the day it opens, the day after it opens. But, you know, while you were talking about kind of the nice nostalgic factor, what I loved about what they're showing is sometimes you get a DVD, it's like extra features, and it's nothing. It's, it's really nothing. maybe like one, it's like a trailer, maybe a teaser, and like four images. Possibly one deleted scene, not even a commentary. But for this one, they had the fourth Nippon Jamboree, mm-hmm. which is a promotional film for the Boy Scouts of Japan, directed by Yuasa in 1966. Which what was, did you think about that? Again, it's one of those things that's like, you. I've read about it, and then you see it, and you're like, wow. It's like, they actually dug this out. Like, I think the only way... Uh, don't, don't quote me on this. I know there's probably people like... Eh, like again, I, I I rarely invest in in, in Region Three stuff, so uh, I got a feeling I believe it was put out on one of the the earlier discs in Japan, but again, never saw it until now. I was like, oh, yeah, this is fun. This is a nice little thing. Like it's that. This is the kind of stuff that I used to drop half my paycheck on, like a drug addict at Best Buy for. Like I'd be like. Evil Dead 2, and it's got, like, all of Sam Raimi's personal behind-the-scenes, you know, uh, footage that he shot while they were doing makeups. Like, you see K- the early K&B guys, like, putting the, like, all the makeup effects on Ted Raimi. I'm like, yes, see, this, this is what I, I buy these, besides the movie, this is what I'm investing my money in. And this is the stuff I love seeing. The G-Fest footage, this kind of stuff, it is well worth the price that I paid for this already, like I'm at this point, I'm really like, yeah. Even if the rest of the discs were bare bones and they just gave me like a real, I'm like, I feel satisfied already because this is like a, it's not a buffet, it's a smorgasbord of content that you rarely see anymore. It is, yeah, and they really brought out unique things that they felt perhaps people stateside were not able to see. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you love Gamera, it doesn't mean you're also going to Google, you know, your author's name plus the word Boy Scouts of Japan. And you don't that, know, right? It will, it's yeah. not something that may or may not cross your mind. So to have something pop up, it's really like a nice treat. And then some, and then part of, a lot of these times, you're just praying that someone took the time to rip it off the DVD and put it up on YouTube. But even then, you're not getting it subtitled. You're not, you, you know, you don't have any frame of reference for some of this stuff. So, again, this is... It, it's it's all this is super thick made with real cream icing on top of this cake yes and it's really really official and they've taken time to really put this together and make it well worth the price that mm-hmm. you feel that you paid for so let's hop let's hop, <clears throat> let's hop through the rest because now we're getting to the um <clears throat> the later years the uh yes 
Yes, because on, on, on disc four, they wonderfully got Gamera versus Jaeger. Jaeger. Gamera versus, yeah, Zegra, and mm-hmm. Gamera Super Monster. So these, I mean, again, I've been using this term, God blessed Arrow, because they tried their best to really make you care about these films. They, they, they get, some of them are a little, I think a little less on the special features, especially, uh, Gamera Super Monster. Gamera Super Monster is nothing but a clip show. Here's the other thing I completely forgot. The further into these films, the more they all became clip shows. Like, and it's brought up in the commentary tracks of some of these things. It's like, there's points like halfway through, like I think Gamera versus Garon was the first one to really start it where it's like, well, we need to pad this film. Here's five minutes from the last film, re-showing you the last fight. Like, eventually, when you get to Gamera versus Gamera Super Monster, you've seen this version of the film already played out over four of the other films. So it's almost like when you watch them back to back, it's like, oh, I feel like I just did this. It's because you did. <laughs> Yeah, and the commentaries are by like Sean Rhodes and Brooke McCorkle. So I'm I'm kind of excited. Commentaries for me in general are hit or miss, mm-hmm. but I do see a lot of really wonderful people here that we enjoy their company, like Ed Holland, we've got Keith Aiken, Bob Bob Johnson, we mm-hmm. have Kyle. Definitely I would take time out of my day to experience that. Which one was Ed, which, which one was Ed on? He's on one of those right there. I want Gamera to versus Jiger. Jiger, um, yes. I, I just noticed because Brooke McCorkle is the first, I think, you one where I'm like, oh, it's not, you know, mm-hmm. a male first name. Yeah. But I digress. So I, I look forward to hearing also to what she has to say along with what all the other gentlemen also have to say. Mm-hmm. So I got props to Ed. He did a pretty good job on his. But when you're dealing with those later films, Jiger actually is in high, looking after rewatching. Like, oh, this is this one is far better than it, I felt like it had any right to be. Uh, especially considering that, like, I love the suit for Jiger. The fact that he doesn't crawl, he actually like walk. It's like the it's like the the two men in a horse costume where it's like, yeah, you get a proper like strut across. It's a very creative like it it's it's a it's a gamma film that for the longest time I kind of like wrote off, but like of those later films, like it's probably the best of those the last three. I would I would I, I would put my money down on. So let's jump ahead because we're already starting to go a little long with this, I realize. To the cream of the crop. The yes. Can- yes. Which films. is disc five. Yes. One, which is Gamera, the Guardian of the Universe. For many people, the reason they are buying this box set. Yes. Uh, I saw some keywords, and also from whatever you showed me on Facebook, it looked very different because it has a 4K restoration mm-hmm. from Katakawa Pictures. Uh, it looks and, a- absolutely stunning. Yes. Yes, and the commentary is by Matt Frank, along with a filmed introduction. And there are Testimonies of 15 Years, Part 1, oh. which is an epic three-part documentary interviewing cast and crew of the Heisei Trilogy. Holy crap. This I had no idea how long this thing is. I think all total, it's like four and a half hours. Like I remember watching them like... 
good lord, this is longer than all three films put together. Like, it, but the beauty is they talk to everyone. There's no like they they break it down by chapter like a book, and are sort of like wow, like there is so much like. The, the fact that they put these three, the, this doc over the three discs, it, it's like, this is the actual, if you want to learn anything about the, the Heisei Gamera films, this covers every little bit of ground. It leaves no stone uncovered. It's, it's a sit though. You are, you are really putting, like, you're going to sit there and you're going to watch it like you're binging a whole series on Netflix over a weekend because it is long. It is not short and it is, um, they, they don't dance around a lot of things. They give a lot of people a lot of time to talk. And, uh, yes, yes. And that's why it's only everything is on one disc, mm-hmm. which is, Disc of Five. And it was really interesting because they also had interviews with Kaneko, Shinji Higuchi, mm-hmm. again filmed by Mr. York in 2002, along with extended interviews with Higuchi on Trilogy's special effects. And we recently, I saw um, Shinji Higuchi doing DC Fandom. Oh, really? Uh, talking about how he felt, you know, like... Japan, it's the segment of like Japan fans love DC mm-hmm. and he got to talk about it too. And he was really enthusiastic. So it was always really interesting to listen to what he had to say. So this disc was okay. So we're getting into like the, there's, there's some nitty and some gritty on this disc. The movie looks absolutely spectacular. They, um, I popped over, I didn't watch the whole version, the whole version. I just popped over the, the, the soundtrack of the uh, UK manga dub, which has the weird techno soundtrack to it. Um, that that sounded good. Uh, there's a noticeable difference when you change the, the audio tracks, though, uh, just in terms of quality. Um, I want to say that they have the uh, announcement ceremony when they announced the film and the cast, which was a very interesting thing, because you kind of see it from like the press box perspective. Um... Matt did fantastic. I got to give hats off to Matt. Uh, the commentary on that is, is like he is full of enthusiasm for that film, and he it does not come like he's not sitting there like oh I love this. He he's dropping knowledge left and right, and uh, much like the first is like he bell to bell. He's going bell to bell and never lets up on it. So uh, hats off to Matt uh, on the commentary. I, I, I thought he did a fantastic job. The thing that I loved that surprised the hell out of me, it was buried in the trailer section. They put the uh, original Japanese ad for Gamera 2000, the PlayStation, there were the Dreamcast game that was really, uh, no, it was PlayStation. It was a PlayStation game. Uh, that, uh, like, I came, I'm like, wait, what? And I pulled it up. Oh, my God. Like, I hadn't seen this trailer in years. I'm just like, it brought back the, the 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 feels again because I remember opening up G or G fan like when I was like fourteen and seeing like screenshots from this game. I'm like, oh man, I gotta play it. When you realize it's just a it's a fun game, but it's just a Panzer Dragoon ripoff, which I think it's because it's from the same developers. I want to say, but it's also again much like the comic books, uh, the, the 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 Dark Wars ones. It's this weird little footnote in Gamera's history where the game creates its own uh, lore 
uh, and you're fighting these weird, like, two-headed gausses and a bunch of other things. It's fun. It has not aged very well. But if you can find an emulator of it, like, oh, go go give it a shot because it's, it's great. And the commercial's fantastic. Like, I sat there, I'm like, good, good on you, Arrow. God bless you because that is a deep cut right there. That's an absolute deep cut. Oh, so. it is. It is. And it's not something that's necessarily known if you were to just look over the special features. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Chris has seen it and almost, and you spoke about it so well, you were like, this was the actual moment mm-hmm. of why I spent over a hundred bucks. <laughs> uh, it's for the surprises that we didn't see. But Very much was, so. Yeah, that was really, really good. And you said there was that. And the testimony was 15 years part one because in disc six, Gamera 2, Attack of Legion, mm-hmm. there's a testimony of 15 years part two. Oh, um, again. That was really, yes. Okay. Longer than yes. the actual the film. film. It's Longer l- than the actual film. Longer than the actual film. I remember sitting there, I'm like, I just, I'm like, Wow, again, a lot of the stuff I knew, and not only that, but if you're watching the film first and you're getting, like, all this information, a lot of it is, is technically retreading, but you're getting the visual element. Like, you're seeing the development of the suits, like the development of the Legion suit. Um, they give you the one the, the one shot I saw uh, after Gamma 2 came out. It was, like, a bonus on one of the bootleg tapes that I bought. Uh, showing you Higuchi... Working his magic, and I believe in that doc is the breakdown of how they did one of my absolute favorite scenes in any giant monster film. It's the beginning of the final battle against uh, Legion when Gamera gets resurrected and he's flying into support. Uh, I forgot where they're at. Sapporo? I forgot where they're at. Uh, so the Legion mother, or the, yeah, the Legion queen is advancing. Gamera starts flying in. Uh, he makes a bank, and we are in this low shot. The camera is like moving, and you're seeing like buildings zoom by the camera. And then Gamera converts from flying mode to uh, his normal battle mode, if you will. And he's just gliding along from the momentum of his flight, and he's blasting the Legion Queen with the fireballs. And the way that they show you how they broke this whole scene down is. Absolutely astounding because it is one of the most ingenious things I've ever seen. This is where Higuchi, I don't think it's, uh, people praise him. I don't think he gets enough credit for some of the interventions that, that he did with these films because the way it was set up, it was absolutely the camera for the most part, I think stays still and they put the set on like a lazy Susan and they move like the foreground and the background together against Gamera. So it gives him, it gives him the illusion that he's moving. Meanwhile, the suits are kind of staying put along with the cameras. I think it's believed staying put and the set is actually moving. So it gives the illusion. It's kind of like a forced perspective kind of thing. Absolutely astonishing. It, it like, I would, Go dig for it. I don't remember what chapter it is, but I remember, like, oh, yes, this is where it's at. So, and not only that, but it's, this is, it's a toss-up between two and three, but I think deep down, I think you have to give it to two in the aspect of, like, as overall the most enjoyable Gamera film. I've, I've, I've made the comparison to the, to the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy because the Gamera films follow 
the same formula as those Dark Knight films, where part one reestablishes the character. It's an origin story. It, it, it sets up the you know your main antagonist and the background. Part two, we build off that, but we don't really delve into any of the background. We just we have a brand new character that's it, that's not related to any of the stuff that we set up. And then part three, we come back and wrap up that original story started in part one. So, uh, and this is where I want to give my hats off. This is, again, to the people I know that did commentary tracks on it, you guys did great. But for my money, I want to say Kyle, of uh, our our buddy Kyle from the Kaiju cast, had the absolute best commentary track on this entire set. Like, this is for for my my personal opinion. This is just my personal opinion. But Kyle knocked it out the park to the point, like, I, I... texted him like at two in the morning like an asshole i'm just like kyle i I gotta give it to you man like you did spectacular on this thing and part of it is because kyle's used to talking into a microphone and he has there there is a certain cadence to carry yourself with like august did pretty good with it matt did pretty good but kyle nailed it on the head with his commentary for gamma 2 like for me absolute best one like if you're going to pop these things open and listen to any of them listen to kyle's first because it was the absolute best of the entire series oh that does not surprise me of like uh, we've heard him speak in real life just in Mm -hmm. conversational but also he's done amazing work for kaiju cast for so long and he's moderated so many panels Mm -hmm. and you know from one moderator to another you have to recognize game yes and kyle does (laughs) very very good he knows like he's got he's very well he's got a little bit of that Kind of almost Casey Kasem like radio cadence to his voice, and it's you know it's obviously built up from doing ten years of the Kaiju Cast. So when I'm sitting there listening, I'm like, God damn it, he nailed it. He nailed he got he got the there, there's a there's a formula to this, and he nailed it. And he not only did he hit it out the park, he went sailing over the fence and uh, into somebody's windshield in the parking lot. <laughs> Yes, no, it's so true. And I actually wanted to see how was the comedic track, the lake. So that is from that is from the ADV release. I was never a real big fan of those because it always kind of feels forced. Like I like I, I love comedy, and I I always give credit where credit's due because even sometimes the most childish humor thing has uh, a lot of value to it. Like One of my absolute favorite comedies is Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. It is the stupidest movie on the face of the earth, but I love it to death because it speaks to the nine-year-old in me, and I laugh every time watching it. So, you can do that kind of stuff proper. The Texarkana dub, I know a lot of people love it. Our friends Tommy and, and Lenny absolutely love it. I was not the biggest fan of it. Like, even when it came out in the ADV set, I'm like, eh, really? Like, all right, I get it. But at the same time, there's a part of me that is a little defensive, especially you could have done it with like the early films because those films are a little more tongue in cheek. They're a little more uh, like uh, aloof and, you know, kitty. So you can kind of have those kind of things on there. Gamma versus Legion is like the. It, it's it's one of the most serious entries. Like there's like very little room for any of the sort of that 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 levity to be added to it. And so I, it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I get it. Some people love them. It just was never for me. Like I, I never cared for it after listening to that first time. Right, right. And you were talking about different things for different people. They like 
just so that it's not repetitive. For some of these, especially the later ones, they're all 4K restoration, but Kadokawa pictures, but also like for Iris and Legion and Universe, they have 2.0 audio. Did you hear a difference? Yes. And really, okay. Yes. Compar- That's good. Comparing, That's good. I mean, they, they touted about it. I mean, I got, I mean, I've, I've, when I pre-ordered the set, and uh, I kind of put all my eggs in one basket. I sold off my standard oh. DVDs. Kind wow. of, you yeah, know. I'm not I get, a gambling man, so. <laughs> yeah, I gamble. I rolled the dice on that one because I had them all. I had I had every one of them. The only ones that I didn't sell off immediately were the Blu-rays that Bill Creek put out of the 90s trilogy. So, um, my hope against hope... Um, well, last year I took, because uh, Kanenka was at G-Fest, so I took uh, uh, Gamma 3, which was its own separate disc. I had him sign that in my GMK DVD. Uh, excuse me. So that was the only one I didn't get rid of. So I kept the Blu-rays of the 90s films until this thing showed up. And I'm like, oh, like there was a part of me once I started hearing everyone's like, I didn't get mine. I'm like... Oh, I would have been caught with my pants down, like scrambling to get these films back because, like a jackass, I sold them off before I realized I had this thing in my possession. But it all kind of worked out. Those Shout Factory DVDs look look good. The ADV DVDs always look pretty good. The Milk Creek they did a pretty good job. They had some pressing issues with them, uh, if I recall. These look. Like, magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. Gamma 2 looks like it's, just, like, it was, a, like, a f- like they just printed the, uh, the the film reel, like, the 35 millimeter. It is, like, you can see at details that you couldn't see on any of the other uh, standard edition discs. So, it the, and the sound sounds beautiful. Again, I know Lenny, he's listening, he's like, Ooh, you don't have a sound bar, you don't have a good, you know, you, your sound system's like, yeah, hey, whatever. I got a pretty good sound system on my TV. I can hear the difference. So, yeah. uh, they, they, what, the, what, was your sound system also good enough to hear the commentary by Steve Rifle and Ed Gotsuzuki? I know. I'm, I always, so, Ed, I always, I'm so sorry. Next I always time you see his me, name feel too. free to, to shake me up. But <laughs> I have butchered your complete last name. But he's an amazingly nice gentleman. He is. They are both, so, they are both very nice guys. So, yes, yeah. it was good. I, I enjoyed it. They have a little more... They. They do fall a little bit into the trap of, like, they get caught up in the film, and I don't blame them because Gamma 3 is... Oh, no, that's passion. That's yes. passion. It is. Gamma 3 is, is like, you it, like their points are like, oh, yeah, hold on, hold on. This is too good to talk over. Like, let's just enjoy this moment. That That's the film for many of us, like, that were in L.A. for that G-Fest at the Egyptian. That was a... That, that was a come to Jesus moment. That was like visiting Mecca almost. Like it was a spiritual awakening watching that thing in a packed theater, especially the Egyptian theater, and watching that uh, attack on Shibuya and then the midair dogfight, like all of it. Like you're sitting there, like, oh my God. I, I just, I flash back to like the 16, like my 16 year old self, like, 
getting up and screaming in my seat when I see the, the spin attack on Iris. And you're just like, this, I've never seen anything like that. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, if I can go back. Like, I, the, on my deathbed, this is the th- moment I want to, to be in my mind as I'm drifting into the ether. Like, just bring me back to that moment of just <laughs> pure, unadulterated joy and seeing something that no one had ever had the balls to do in a giant monster film. And, yes, uh, uh, Steve and Ed get caught up in that moment. I, I know they were there. I believe that. I'm pretty sure they were there because I think Steve monitor, uh, narrated the, uh, the Q&A afterwards, if I recall. Or it might have been Norman. It's it's been almost twenty years, so I've I've kind of forgot. It has been twenty years actually, um, but yes, like three was the one I was looking forward to most. Three had some. I watched the rest of the doc. I, everything that, that that movie has never been presented better. I don't even think the Japanese DVDs presented this masterpiece in the form it did. Like the the attack on Shibuya, I've watched that scene over. I've shown it to everybody because that's the sequence. That that that's the point where you're like, this is not like they're 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 cranking this up. This is not the gamma. We like the last two films were like did not. We didn't anticipate what was coming here. Like that whole sequence of Gamera just blasting the crap out of the Gauss over like a busy uh, uh, metropolis. People flying in the air. Like you're like, oh my God. Like the carnage that no one ever has the guts to show of like when a, if giant monsters were truly battling in a city. Like, yes, there, there would be horrific casualties. Like you sit there, but it's... It's you can't turn away because the they are masterfully crafted and executed. Like oh my god! Like I'm just I'm, again I'm getting goosebumps just even thinking about that scene. We've I've gone on many times no, about no, my no, love so for Game of Thrones. So my question so. to you mm-hmm. is: other than the documentary Chris was talking about, is the testimony of 15 years part three? It's the final part of the documentary. But did you have a come to Jesus moment with the deleted scenes? No, because here's the thing. The deleted scenes, like, I get why they were cut. Again, there are times when I'm like, why did, Why would they cut this? The deleted scenes don't, uh, unlike some other ones, like, um, uh, like uh, again, like, go back to, like, the director's cut or the, 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 the extended cut of Terminator 2. I've always questioned why Cameron cut those moments out because there's stuff that is, I would argue, is integral to that story. But you know he trimmed him out, like the the Kyle coming back, the them destroying, like uh, attempting to destroy the CPU and stuff like that. When I watched those deleted scenes, those are the first time I've ever seen those deleted scenes, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, I get, I get why they're cut out. Like there is a pacing issue here, and I and they just trimmed a little bit of the fat. It, they don't really add too much. It's not like you know they they left out some big effect sequence or. You know, some gigantic character moment. It's not, you know, like the fabled Han and 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 um, Jabba moment in Star Wars that get that Lucas put back in. These are all like, well, I'm like, okay, I see why these were cut. These were trimmed for for timing and pacing issues. It's cool to see him. It's real cool to see him. But yeah, I can take him or leave him. Okay. Okay, that that would that would make sense. I know that would delete it. Seems some are really great, mm-hmm. some are not, and it all depends on the on the viewer or you know the person receiving it. Yeah, but it, it, also, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. 
I was going to say the Awakening of Iris, the remix, is a montage of behind-the-scenes footage and work in progress for special effects footage. That one is fun because it shows you... If I'm getting it right because we're pushing to a.m. Um, it gives you the look inside the train station set, which uh, is a... It, it's one of the most glorious miniatures I've ever seen built. And also the fact that when you really think about it, it's like Garen Iris's final fight is A, inside of a train station, and B, it's essentially a shoving match between two giant monsters. Like, it's not like this... It feels like this grand epic battle, but it's essentially like they're just kind of like bumping chests and kind of like pushing each other like sumo wrestlers almost because because they don't move that far in and out of this thing. The last 10 minutes of the film takes place in this train station and it's just pretty much like they're st- and again, they even say they they uh they they fibbed a little bit on the uh, the scaling, but you know, it is to get the effect that they wanted to get the two monsters inside the station, you know, battling each other. But yeah, you get to watch them actually build it, set it up. So it's that—that's well worth its uh, the time to uh, to check out. Oh, that's great! Yeah, because sometimes people see the word remix mm-hmm. and they already mentally check out. But then, please follow through. It's a montage of behind-the-scenes footage, mm-hmm. and everything about special effects should always be really paid attention to because it definitely takes time and creativeness and masters in order to do it. Dirt. And yeah, it's uh, you said it's amazing. So that I definitely look forward to. Mm-hmm. So again, if anything, the this box set gives you the perfect like bird's eye view like of what work went into these films and what work really goes into making a really good like tokusatsu style film especially a giant monster like of building miniatures building the suits accomplishing the practical effects because again gamma 3 used a lot of uh cg which was big in 1999 especially for a japanese film and i would argue the the cg on the majority of the scenes hold up exceptionally well because they are used for what they couldn't do in in um the suits like iris flying the mid-air battle um camera chasing the gauss through uh, shibuya like a lot of some of that's the cg and it still holds up very well because they're 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 not long they don't the camera doesn't hang out too long to really you for your eye to like eh, that, that that doesn't look right it's kind of taking me out no it it's just it's like how jurassic park still looks magnificent 27 years later 26 years later um like that CG holds up very well too, because it's also a combination of CG and practical effects. Like it kind of fools your eye and seeing like, Oh, that's real, but it's really not. It's just a bunch of ones and zeros and some frame rates being done. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that actually sounds really, I actually really look forward to that one very much, Mm -hmm. but I do know. And we get to our triumphant end triumph 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 look at that this is we're always we're always recording late at night yes uh which is disc eight gamera the brave with commentary by lovely keith aiken and bob johnson two wonderful people Mm -hmm. uh let's before we get into the other featurettes how was gamera the brave gamera the brave i um when it came out 
I it was it was the first time I'm like, eh, like really they're we're doing this. It it came out to I. So here's the thing. I I actually really enjoy Gamma the Brave. It's been a while since I've rewatched it, so uh, this was the first time seeing it in maybe about five or six years. And I remember when you know the first time I watched, it, I'm like, I was walking in. I'm like, they're essentially doing like a like a modern day show of film, like the kid protagonist again. It's a little baby Gamera. He spends half the film like growing and. There's a lot of stuff. I, just, <clears throat> I remember sitting there watching it at first, like kind of like, because eh. even the trailers and stuff. I'm like, why? After you come off the Kaninko films, why go backwards? Why? Why go back to the start, like of where the the show of films was? That said, as the film progressed, I'm like, oh, this is actually. It, it is very much a, a modern a, a, a modern day version of the show of films. That it is exactly what that is. But the film has a lot of heart, and the effects are very well done on it. So, seeing it clean because I only had a bootleg copy. I had a, one, a Hong Kong copy, as I'll call it, for the longest time. Because I think Media Blasters had briefly put it out on Blu-ray, and I didn't pick it up at the time. And I. I, I, I I think it's, well, it's the shop's not there anymore, but Amoeba, someone had turned theirs in, and Amoeba Records in Hollywood had it sitting in their rarity section, and they wanted $300 for that thing, and it was like, yeah, yeah, no, you're not going to get that for that, but there's a reason why, because it was like such a low run, so to see it clean, see it nice, with proper subtitling that's not some weird English subtitles, like, okay, there is an appreciation. That said, I still I still stand by my initial te- my my initial feelings on this film. That like it's a good film, but I do feel that's like eh, why go backwards, move forward. Like why revisit this kind of this this story that that they did all the way through the sixties and seventies in two thousand six, which we were two years removed from Godzilla's retirement. Uh, the craze, the, like the 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 want for these films, had kind of died down. This film really was the uh, sadly it, it didn't it failed because it came out at a time when no one really wanted this stuff. Uh, the Japanese film industry at the time was kind of like trying to adjust to like bigger budget filmmaking, and you're you know. There was focus on other stuff, like much more anime, much more adaptations and stuff. Like, they're trying to take things a little more seriously. So giant monsters were kind of, like, passe at this point. And it's 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 a bummer because, end of the day, Gamera the Brave is a very good film. Um, it has one of the... It, the the end battle is actually spe- is fantastic. I love the character design of Zetas. I love the concept of him. I love the fact that they kept a lot of the weird gore that made up the early Showa Gamera films in this essentially family film. So, um, but again, I still stand by my statement. Like, it it seems rather unnecessary to revisit this than move forward to what the next uh, you know literation would be. So. That, that's With baby Gamera, which is cute as heck. Yes. All right. Who doesn't love tiny little turtle tortoise? Yes. Do you feel that even though while they were moving away, they were trying to capture a younger audience? Very much so. And then have them move forward as the new 
you know, almost like a soft reboot as the new merchandise consumers for the future. Easily, easily. That's all over this film. Um, The fact that you have, yeah, Gamera, they call him Toto throughout half the film. The kids bond with him. The, the film is very melodramatic for what is essentially like a family, like a family adventure film, and it's it's rather violent for a family film too. Like it kind of harkens back to some of like the family films of the eighties, where it's like they weren't afraid to show you a little bit of blood and kind of scary a little bit. Like Zetas straight up eats people left and right in this film, and it's not like oh, it's you know we cut away like. There's some blood being splattered around, and, you know, there's damage being done. Gabra and Zetas, like, go to town on each other, and they, like, mess each other up. Like, there's monster blood flying all over the place. And I, the other thing, too, I've always said, it's like, Zetas always looked and felt like it was ripping off Jiris from Ultraman, which I'm like, eh, this is an homage. I, I know he's a frilled lizard. It's like, he's supposed to be in a, a, a sea iguana that ate uh, the meat off one of the dead gals from the first film, hence why he mutates. But then it makes a question. It's like, all right, are there any, like, how, how like, it's been, t- like, 20 years. Like, why is he just now showing up? And then are there other monsters out there that, you know, because those gals were kind of, like, strewn about all over the place after the opening of the first film. So it's like, what other monsters have gotten weirdly mutated by by these things? So... That being said, there was a lot of, like, potential for merchandise. To this day, I still want Bandai to make a proper vinyl figure in, like, a 6 or an 8-inch of Zetas. Because they never did. And uh, I, I, I kind of curse them for that because it is a... It, it, it's an awesome design. Zetas is an awesome monster. Like, uh, it's... There's a weird creativity, and the suit is just spectacular. Like the way he moves, the way he attacks. Like he's like it feels like a combination of several of the Showa monsters, especially Baragon. It does. I mean, I'll, I'll just say it, it does feel like he's Baragon by way of Jiris from Ultraman. But he is a very he's a cool design. I'm looking at the little capsule figure I have of him right here, and like I'm like. Give me, like, Bandai Premium, I'll pay, like, a good 70 bucks if you can give me, like, a really nice figure of this guy. Because so far he's one of the only, one of the few things that Bandai never truly produced in a vinyl format. Right. Right. No, I totally get, I totally understand. And after saying that, I bet a lot of people are going to have to agree with you. Um, I, I do, yeah, they're going to, they're going to agree with you. They're going to be like, we're willing to shell out that money for that. Mm-hmm. I have seen a bit of a renaissance because for a lot of people with this set, this is the first time a, uh, a good chunk of fans have ever gotten a chance to see Gamma the Brave. Because, again, it was not widely released out here in America. And after a while, it became nigh impossible to get a copy of it unless you either bootlegged one offline or you had, like, a copy like I did and you bought them from, like, a, an import dealer or you found that Media Blasters one that was briefly out on the shelves. So there, there, there's a lot. I saw a lot of reviews for Gamma the Brave pop up on Twitter. And a lot of people, like, I'm like, yeah, th- this is fun. Again, I'm on board. It's a fun film, but I, not without repeating myself too much, I still feel that, like, we have moved past this. We should be moving past it into like bigger and better pastures. So, but I digress. Yes. 
No, it's no problem. But I wanted to know your thoughts on the featurette hosted by Tasaki and really how to make a Gamera movie. There was also Behind the Scenes and The Men That Made Gamera. Those were fun because I've never seen any of that stuff before. Um, they're, they're nowhere near as long as the, the documentary for the Heisei stuff. But again, it does give you a nice little insight. It, the, the model work, the effects work are all top notch in Gamma the Brave. Like, I, I can't speak ill will of any of that stuff. Um, and it does, they do give, it does give you a nice appreciation because you get to see a lot of that behind the scenes stuff. And it, it's also nice because it's subtitled so you can understand what the hell everyone's saying and, really take in, you know, the work that's being done with with this uh with these films. Oh yeah, because there was also a special effects supercut, mm-hmm. which is a montage of effects overseen by Matsumoto, which was the FX supervisor. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting. You did mention briefly in the beginning of our podcast the opening day premiere. Yes. That and that was too. shown in this one here. So that and also <clears throat> How was that? Oh, it's good. It's it looks like you know your regular press kit. Like for those who are like Jessica and I, especially years of you know writing for websites, we would be given electronic press kits, and that's essentially all that stuff is. It's it's a it's a big electronic press kit. There's no there's no like it's just all B roll footage that's edited together in like a slight narrative that you can follow along with it. Um, and Jessica, how would you explain a press kit, a electronic press kit to someone who doesn't know? An electronic press kit is basically a document or a file that has shown you all of the promotional images, possible like a trailer along with a description of what the movie is about or what the new product or item or service that they're trying to show that will be coming out in a whenever it will be, whether it's a Mm -hmm. couple of days or whether it's just meant to be an announcement. So instead of like a physical file that's handed to you, it's basically all of this, uh, they call it what prepares you for a press release. Mm -hmm. You know, all the PR materials, whenever you read a press release, like breaking news, this, you know, Batman, the animated series is going to come out in Blu-ray. These are some of the still images from there. Here is a trailer. If you notice, several news outlets will have similar information. Mm-hmm. Where they're getting it from is a press kit that is sent out by the PR team of that company that owns the rights or is working in conjunction with that production or item. So that's where... If you see news outlets and something written up, that's where we are getting our information. It should be directly from the source. If it's not, it should state that it's not. Yes, and you've you've had your experience with with those, a few of those. <clears throat> oh yes, mm-hmm. yes, I definitely do. But um, and before I forget, how was Kaho Summer? Which is an interview with the film's young star because he is prominently featured when it, you look up the word Gamera. Yeah, it's fine. Like they, you know, he's 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 a precocious little kid, so it's 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 a fun little bit. Like the the problem is with um, it feels like with Gamera the Brave. It feels like by the time they were releasing it, 
they kind of realized like this thing was not going to be like a major hit. So I, if it does feel like when Arrow was mining for material for the stuff, like they, they pretty much took everything that was there and it's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff. And then a lot of it's just like, mm, you know, hit and miss kind of thing. Like the interview with the kid is, it's absolutely fine. But it's not really giving you insight to stuff that you haven't already watched somewhere else on the, on the disc. Yeah. I mean, some people really love to listen to interviews with face actors that are especially or with like child actors. It's really interesting to see how they poise themselves Mm -hmm. when they're not being directed immediately on what to say or what to do or where to look. Yeah. But overall, what did you since you delved deep in this? it, It was over like 19 hours of amazing footage and i know because i saw two weeks of you putting up updates and i was like where is my copy oh i know i will say this i haven't sat this long and delved deep into something like this since i played my last final fantasy game which would be final (laughs) should be final fantasy 10 so that shows you how far back i'm going um but yeah like it, it, I haven't, I mean, I try my best when I get, like, a new DVD. I, I still have a whole stack of stuff that when lockdown hit, I'm like, I'm going to go through all this. I've only just broken the crest of these things. I got so much, I'm backlogged on so much stuff. And when this thing came, I'm like, all right, you're all getting pushed aside because I'm going through this. But there was a part of me that was like, oh, man, like, I hadn't felt this way about diving into a DVD set in a long time. And it, it kind of it, it reminded me of like the glory days when I would get on my first job and I get my paycheck, my measly four hundred dollar paycheck for two weeks worth of work, and I'd go and drop two hundred of it on every DVD that Best Buy had, and then I would spend the next two weeks just combing every single inch, looking for Easter eggs, listening to the commentaries, watching all the behind the scenes stuff, like. It, it felt nice. It's, it's a reason why I love this format. It's a reason why I love it. I'm a movie buff. I love this stuff. So this this set, hats off to Arrow. Because I've had a few, I got a few of their releases before this. They are really shaping themselves up to be a, a fantastic uh, distributor of wonderful genre films. They are the they are the criterion of genre. Even though criterion tries to get a genre, these guys give us genre films, especially from all around the world, that like no one else ever bothers to. Uh, they put out some great Sunny Chiba films. They put out some great Kenji Fukasaki films. I have all of them. Um, like I said, the Sukamoto set is absolutely spectacular. They just announced two days ago, I woke up screaming looking at this because I have three people that know my love for this film on uh, on Twitter or on Facebook and they tagged me in it. I'm like, I literally opened my blood, one bloodshot eye. I had like, I had three three, three notifications from Facebook and they were all the same thing. It was Arrow had said, we got announcements on this day and they teased it. I knew it was going to be Tremors. Like they were re-released, they were released in tra- a film I love to death, by the way. But the surprise one was them doing a 20th anniversary proper Blu-ray for one of my all-time favorite films, which is Ryo Kitamura's Versus. Like I lost my goddamn mind, and immediately dropped 
$60 on ordering both verses and uh, the special edition of Tremors from the good people at Arrow Video. So, these guys got my money. If they follow through with that rumored Giver 2, because they did Giver, and I have that 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 copy, it looks great, but they give me Giver 2 on a, on a disc that's just like what we got here, uh, that they will forever have my money. I will make sure that they never go out of business. I will throw... I will mortgage a house to make sure that this company stays alive because they are doing the Lord's work in getting this stuff out to the people. And I know, again, I've, I said it earlier, a lot of people are kind of like abandoning DVDs because it's, ah, it's on streaming. It's not all on streaming, and a lot of it's getting edited now. Like, do not put all of your eggs in the streaming basket just because it's simpler and easier. You're losing out on certain things. And, again... No one else was going to bother to put this much effort into, especially the early films, which a lot of people consider just goofy schlock. And, no, and you know, not even comparison to the Godzilla films of, the, of its era. But there is exceptional tender love and care put into the set. I paid, I think, 125 for mine off Diabolic. I feel I underpaid for what they gave me. Like, it, I, I'm like, I, do I owe you another $100? Because the time and effort that went into this is nothing less than a miracle. So, bravo to Arrow. Somewhere out there, someone on Arrow hears and is like, let us jump up the price. Good. I'll be like, darn you, Chris. Good. Good. I hope, I, <clears throat> they need, like, again, there's, I, I could send them a whole list of stuff. I'm like, I need this, this, and this. Just give it to me. Like, I've, I've been hounding them for a week. I'm like, are you guys going to make a print of that Versus uh, DVD cover you made? Because it is, uh, like, mind-boggling good. Like, I want that hung up in my room. Like, also, finding a proper theatrical trailer or poster for Versus is next to impossible. So, it's always been one of my holy grails. But I'm like, I will take a print of this. I know Shout does prints for their DVDs when they release them. Uh, in fact, they, they kind of shisted me out of my, um, uh, what is it, um, the cage one, uh, the, oh, God, Wild at Heart. Yes, I was supposed to, I bought it, and then they told me, oh, we're out of the poster. I'm like, damn it, I really wanted that, so, but they did put out a spectacular DVD for Wild at Heart. Have you never seen Wild at Heart? Oh, magnifique. So, all right. I think that's it, Jessica. Well, this one's going to be a supersized episode because just like the entire collection, it was only fair to go this, try to go this deep without spoiling everything for everyone. It's true. True. Like this, a, a set like this deserves like at least a, a nice proper dive in. I mean, I could, we could probably go like another hour and a half on it, but I don't want to, I don't want to bore you, you poor people with some of the more, uh, you know, mediocre details. Um, but yes, when Arrow re-releases this set, it is it will be very much worth your time to go track it down. Uh, I know that it's going to be just the discs, and but you'll get everything that's on those discs. So, do like if you missed out, grab grab the next one that comes out. I, and I know people are complaining about like why don't they just make more. I got a feeling it has to do with the uh, the pub, you know, re, you know, publishing more of the comic book because I, I got a feeling that's the licensing issue that's preventing them from making 
more of these sets. So, mm, that's just that brand new smell. Oh, it's so good. I like how I could actually hear you smell it through my brand new <laughs> AirPods. That's amazing. No, that's true dedication. It is. Like, can you hear the pages being flipped? I oh, yes. Oh, man. I love it. I absolutely love it. The giant nerd in me is, is smiling like a big Buddha right now. <clears throat> so, all right. Uh, we have gone on long enough. Thank you, everyone. We are in our seventh year officially as a podcast. We are, I think this is going to be episode 91. So we're approaching episode 100 very soon. Hopefully, I'm going to start working on something awesome for that episode. So if you're listening to this, our site is now live. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, uh, we have our new merch store coming up. Uh, we asked that, yeah, if you, if you want uh, to rock some, uh, Kaiju Kingdom podcast, like, a, a, we got, I think one or two shirts that are going to be launching on the store. Uh, this helps us keep the lights on around here. Um, to, to be fair and honest, I have been paying out of pocket for the last seven years for this show. Uh, it's not exactly the cheapest thing in the world. It's, um, and right now with everything going on, keeping it afloat has been just, it, it, it's 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 not in danger of going away, but it would help both Jessica and I out if, um, if, if you know, and if you know, if, it would bring smiles to us that people are actually listening to us. Um, so, if you want to support us in any way, buy a shirt. Uh, I think we're going to be starting a Patreon very soon. And we'll announce uh, what you get with that, and uh, do start checking out. I uh, the site will link you to our YouTube page, which uh, we have a new show called The Kaiju Kingdom Coffers coming up, which um, it's not quite an unboxing video. It's not quite a toy review. It's a little it's a little of everything. It's a little history lesson of some awesome of awesome merchandise uh, that is dedicated to all things Tokusatsu. So um, and uh do stay tuned to the social media because we will let you guys know, hopefully before the end of the month, about that grand giveaway for that uh, Gamera Arrow box set. So, any words, Jessica? Yes. So, not definitely. We have everything definitely planned out for the next couple of months, and it was so great. We are approaching our 100th, and mm -hmm. we did talk about Definitely go look for the re-release, but we do have one through my experience of trying to get one for myself. Uh, we do have the Gamera Complete Collection that will be up. We're going to hammer out the details again, so there's a chance that any listener will be able to read it. Along with that and also helping us out through our future Patreon, buying our merchandise, Helping us not just to keep our lights on, but also everything costs to operate, not just audio, but also the website. Mm -hmm. But with that, Chris has put us up all over, like on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We also are on our Panzer Crush. We are on the social media because Facebook is alive and kicking again, again, thanks to Chris. We also have Twitter and Instagram. Mm -hmm. So everything is under the Kaiju Kingdom podcast except for twitter there's no podcast on there because it was too long to be added into a <laughs> username 
Uh, ah, Twitter. Oh, what a wonderful place to become such a cesspool. So, I tried to keep it positive on there, though. Oh, yes, yes. And finally, whenever Kong vs. Godzilla comes out, we will watch that Twitter cesspool happen. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that more than anything else. So, I know a lot of people are like, when's the trailer? I'm like, we are in uncertain times. Like, I think we'll be lucky if it even comes out in May right now because. Things are looking a little, little flimsy. I actually went to the movies for the first time in Southern California in six months this past weekend. So I saw three films. I saw uh, Russell Crowe put on about 90 pounds and stalk this poor woman and her son. In, in there was a movie called Unhinged, which is a schlocky B film if I've ever seen one. Uh, I got to see Akira in 4K, which uh, is it looked a little too clean. And then saw Peninsula, which is the follow-up to Train to Busan. So, um, and I'll tell you this: not a lot of people in any of those shows. So it's uh, it's still slim pickings out there, everyone. I know that you know these are weird and trying times. So patience. All things, all good things will come to pass. So. Yes, yes. Please do your part. Think of all, all, all of the people that want to go out mm. to watch a movie or to a premiere. Or even, like, now people wish they could stand near a premiere, just be in that crowd. I know. They don't even they don't even feel the need to be in it. The That's LA, how much we miss it. Or at least I miss it. Yeah. I know LA Comic Con is going to attempt to run their, their show in December. I don't see it happening. But if it does, there's a part of me like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go see if I can check that out. Just to see what a COVID convention looks like. So... Oh, my goodness. Be safe, Chris. I, I am. I, I, I try my best. So, All right. So that will do it for this giant-sized edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. For myself and... Jessica! Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for sticking with us this whole time. And we'll see you next time. Bye.